I'm sorry I let you down, Mike. It's okay. Mike, I'm so sorry. I still love you. Mike, Mike I'm so sorry. It's okay, but I see how I know I feel better. nerds it's basketball welcome to horse a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses my name is mike Schuer, and i am joined as always by my trusted co-hosts the milk to cookies the not mentioning hanukkah in holiday music eric silver eric how's it going <laughs> that hurts you just need to remind me it's just sad that the only hanukkah references you get are the hanukkah songs by adam sandler which are fine but overplayed to death and then stuff like dreidel 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 which does not slap first of all you can make dreidel 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 slap and i will say that there is an extremely good hanukkah song out there mariah carey all i want for hanukkah is jews thank you i'm glad you filled in the joke <laughs> <laughs> no the actual best hanukkah song is called eight days of hanukkah by sharon jones i'll put it in the episode description it slaps all over the place that's good and it's something that a lot of christmas songs aren't really about christmas like Last Christmas has nothing to do with Christmas except for the date of which he gave away his heart. That whole song could just be <laughs> Hanukkah and nothing would change. So let's get some more holidays in there. I would love that. I would love more and better Hanukkah songs. Also, everyone knows that if you have eight full days, then you can just like give your heart back and forth as presents on those eight days. The other thing you could do when people do recordings of songs and you do a clean version as well, do a song and make a Christmas version and a Hanukkah take. The big problem is that Christmas and Hanukkah have different number of syllables. Then we need a two syllable version of Hanukkah. And if we're going to spell it with the X again, maybe we call it like Zanzan or something. <laughs> All right. I'll bring it to the council next year and we'll see if we can get Zanzan happening. Or Hanukkah. Just get rid of that nah. <laughs> Chanka. <laughs> okay, well, before we get into the, the what's like, I was going to say the meat and potatoes, but I tried to think of Christmassy food. Before we get into the standing rib roast and green beans, that's what my dad makes, uh, of this episode, we got to go to a little place where we get all dressed and ready to rock. Let's head to the locker room. We're to the locker room. Zip, zorp, 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 jingle, 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 jingle. What makes a zorp? What clothing item makes a zorp? Uh, I feel like you when you're, putting all of your zippers together you have one that doesn't really work and then it goes zorp ah okay i get it but i also had like jingle bells on me so that's why i went jingle jingle jingles ah all the way <laughs> all the way to me getting ready to play hey mike we have new patrons i love new patrons i also love the old patrons too don't worry <laughs> <laughs> but we only say the new patrons first so the new patrons are natalie stephenson laura betts Jeffrey Craner and Kaylin Cross. And we have two new producer level patrons. Oh, nice. Burger, which is a very good name, and Skylar Jorgensen. Thank you for joining the team. You are lacing it up with Teal, Samuel Minor, Jordan Castleman, Misha Stanton, and Brianne Wingate. And all of you can shoot it for three points. Three good, wholesome points. Or three dirty points if you're nasty. Whatever you're going for. <laughs> Uh, now, Mike, regardless of your clean or your nasty, if you're Christmas or you're 
Zanzan or Chanaka. We can all afford to be a little fancier with our drinks. And that's why we are sponsored this week by Shaker and Spoon. Mm-hmm. Shaker and Spoon is awesome. They give you boxes for you to make very fancy cocktails. You might not have the ingredients on you, but they give you like little serving sizes so that you can try something that you might not have had before. This can be like your 2019 New Year's resolution. So instead of like a bullshit resolution that is going to make you feel bad about yourself, you can be like, mm-hmm. in 2019, I'm going to drink fancy cocktails and be a fancy lady or man or person. Shaker and Spoon is fantastic. I really enjoy the box because they send you the ingredients to make three different drinks and they send you enough for four servings of each. So it actually works really well as just a get together with your friends. Just invite a couple people over and say, hey, I got all these fancy drinks we can make. Let's go. And all the drinks use the same liquor. So you don't have to buy a whole bunch of different stuff. You basically just got to get one bottle of whatever the base liquor is. And then they send you the ingredients for all the other stuff. And a lot of it is stuff that I would have no idea how to get a hold of. So you make these fun, unique drinks. I still don't know what Applejack is, but I'm happy that I bought one. Aside from being a garbage cereal, not oh, sure I feel what like, Applejack is. I feel like is. we've said this already. We have. Oh, we have. And I took a picture. I'll post it on the Instagram for Horse Hoops. My work gets cereals in our snack cabinet, just like one of those boxes where they send you like a bunch of different Kellogg cereals, and no one ever eats the Applejacks. So the stack of Applejacks little single-serving cereals is growing by the week and I took a very funny picture where it's like all the other cereals have been eaten because they're good and then no one touches the damn disgusting Apple Jacks well if they had Shaker and Spoon they might be able to do something with it so you can go to shakerandspoon.com slash horse to get $20 off your first box if you order this wonderful cocktail collection from them just go to shakerandspoon.com slash horse and it's way cheaper than going to a bar and trying out fancy drinks and you get to make them yourself and feel accomplished it's true and then you get to like look at what nutmeg looks like without it being shaved it's just like a nut <laughs> you talked about this last time because it still it. it still baffles me <laughs> hey mike do you have anything uh, fun to share in the locker room while we're lacing it up am i supposed to have something fun to share while i'm lacing it up no i was just asking i just wanted to make conversation oh okay no i'm i think i'm all ready to go unless you have more fun things to share oh i do have something that might make you a little bit jealous Ooh. okay so this is going to come out on monday on christmas eve on Christmas Day. I am going to be at the Christmas Day game at Madison Square Garden where the Knicks oh, are going, going to play the Bucks. Yes, oh, I'm man. so excited. You get to see Giannis Antetokounmpo attempt to murder Mario Hazonia. Mario Hazonia. I know I'm super excited to see Giannis in person. I think that this is going to be like looking at one of the seven wonders of the world or like going to the Grand Canyon. It's really fun watching him play. You can't believe that like nature has created this wonderful thing in front of you. I I am super excited. I would highly recommend what I did last time I saw Giannis live, where anytime he was on the court, I only looked at him and no one else because mm. no one else is worth your time or attention. That's just fair. anytime Giannis is on the floor, just only watch Giannis. Watch only what Giannis does. Don't look at your phone. Don't do anything else. Just purely stare at Giannis. I'm really excited for you, especially if the Knicks upset the Bucks again. As someone who has seen the Knicks going on three times in December, I can tell you that probably isn't going to happen. But it might. A Christmas miracle. On this huge note of optimism, I say we head on out to the court and get ready for our first segment, which is full court press. Like the news, get it? 
You know, three ghosts came to me in the night and they explained to me this joke. So I think I get it. Awesome. That's great. Well, we have some really fun things to discuss in this edition of Full Court Press. First off, let's talk about something that was silly, hectic, and something I did not see coming. But I'm so glad that it did. So there was an attempted three-team trade last week between the Washington Wizards, the Phoenix Suns, and the Memphis Grizzlies. And this trade ultimately fell apart because there was confusion between the Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies about which player was being traded because the Memphis Grizzlies have two people on their team with the last name Brooks. One of them is named Marshawn Brooks. He is not that great. One of them is Dylan Brooks. He's also not that great, but he's young and has upside, so he is more desirable of a player. <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> the, the Suns thought they were getting Dylan Brooks, who would be better. The Grizzlies thought they were getting rid of Marshawn Brooks, who is worse. So there was a whole hubbub and a back and forth, and it just took NBA Twitter by storm because the whole report was that this trade is done. And then it came out, oh, wait, it might not be done. There's confusion about which Brooks is being traded. And then it was the trade fell apart because they weren't agreeing on which Brooks it was. And then it ultimately ended with Dylan Brooks tweeting, hashtag go Grizz, LOL, and then crying laughing emoji. (laughs) The whole job of being a GM in the NBA is knowing people's names and how good they are at basketball. How do you you just fail on that? I don't get how you mess that up, especially if you know you have two people on your team with the same last name. You would definitely clarify this. It makes me think, and this is something I ran into when I was Christmas shopping, I had to place an order over the phone because a website wasn't working and I had to give particular part numbers and then each colorway has a particular part number so they make sure like yes i want the blue ones that are colorway 002 or whatever it makes me think that nba players should have like id numbers yeah we were talking about this when we were at the we game we're were like nba players should absolutely have like uh job ids yeah work ids that they have to scan yeah <laughs> because i also want to see lebron scanning in to the game every single day or like what if there was a giant punch clock like one of those punch clocks <laughs> <laughs> like if you would need to go into the game, you have to go over to the scorer's table and like punch your card. <laughs> that would be very fun. I do like to think about the NBA as often as I can as a place of work and everyone is coworkers. Trying to put that in a frame of reference is always very fun. Gotta go back to the old grind, put in my 12 minutes. So that was just a fun little unique thing that's happened. And and I can't think of any other time that something similar to this has gone down. So I'm glad that this is now a part of NBA lore. Uh, Mike, I just realized that players do have ID numbers. It's called their jersey number. (laughs) (laughs) Just include their jersey number when you're talking about a person. (laughs) So in other news, that was not as fun, but more petty and internet beefy. The NBA referees are their own entity within the NBA. The NBA referee Twitter account, which is a very bad Twitter account, got very (laughs) sassy because in a Lakers game, Chris Webber, who used to be an NBA player, was broadcasting and there was a foul called against Kyle Kuzma on the Lakers. And it honestly did not look like a foul. They called a blocking foul. It was very weak, very soft. They should have just let them play. And Chris Webber on air on national television was saying, that's awful. They shouldn't have made this call, et cetera, et cetera. The referee Twitter account took offense to this. They didn't enjoy a broadcaster publicly criticizing their work on national television. So they made this big sassy tweet and I will read it to you because it's uh, it's just like these are grown men 
acting like teenagers complaining about something. So what you're saying is that people who don't have to use their names went on the internet and complained about someone <laughs> talking about them. It sounds like it's a very good Twitter account and they're using it for how everyone uses Twitter. <laughs> Uh, so here's what at official NBA refs said. They posted the video where Chris Weber is broadcasting and complaining about the call. They say, quote, why is it hard to educate fans about the rules? Here's what we're up against. From last night's game at real Chris Weber was incorrect here. This is a foul as the defender makes a legal contact with his knee to the thigh of the offensive player, causing him to fall to the floor. <laughs> and then they sent another follow-up tweet, which I don't even want to bother reading. But Kyle Kuzma, the player who they called a foul against, quote tweeted this and said can we get fined if we tweet back at this account because if you in a public setting criticize the referees in like a post-game interview you get fined by the nba so kyle kuzma made a very good joke and this got 120,000 likes on twitter hey kyle kuzma doing good tweets this feels very high school but not even the way that like teenagers are petty at each other it's like the way that school administrators are like a principal would institute a new rule that all the students need to follow and then it just totally backfires on them so it's like if you make it illegal to criticize the refs, then like going on the Internet and making fun of the entity on the Internet that is the refs is just going to be the next best thing. I mean, this thing obviously became a lightning rod principal referee. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you're going to come to a young person's domain where you're going to get roasted real bad, you got to get ready for this to happen. You can't mm -hmm. come into hello, fellow kids and not expect to get torched on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, fellow kids. Ah, that's a blocking foul. So NBA official ref Twitter, they should just stop. They need to get out of here. This is not their domain. They should just focus on being better at their jobs. I really hope that NBA players don't get fined for being mean to them on Twitter because they need to have somewhere to complain. And if you can't complain on social media, where can you complain? Exactly. So before we wrap up Full Court Press, let's end things on a happy note because it's Christmas. So... Landry Shamet, a rookie on the Philadelphia 76ers, had a career night. He set his career high for points per game. And in the post-game press conference, he and Jimmy Butler were seated at a table. And all the reporters were asking questions of Jimmy Butler and none of Landry Shamet. So after Jimmy Butler finished a question, he grabbed his microphone and then said, I got you, Landry, and then turned to Landry and asked him questions along the lines of, how did it feel? You had a career night. You had your career high. You know, how was it being a big contributor on the team? And then Landry Shamet gives this really sincere answer. He was saying, you know, I'm just trying to help the team. I was hitting my shots. I'm just glad I can be a part of the win. And then before turning back and addressing the rest of the porters, he kind of whispers to Landry next to him and goes, yo, man, I got you. And then pats him on the back. Oh, it was just so heartwarming. It was so good. And again, we'll put this in the episode description on horsehoops.com. And that night, Jimmy Butler's heart grew three sizes. <laughs> It was so cute. Oh, it just warms my heart. So I wanted to end on that so we're not talking about old men being grumpy. We're talking about young men being nice to each other. <laughs> young men being nice to each other might be a good subtitle for our podcast. <laughs> this could be a good episode title for this one. Young men being nice to each other. <laughs> I like that. I'll include that. that that's it. <laughs> so that's the end of Full Court Press. One, two, three. Three, two, one. Three on three. Michael. Shoe bear. Mm -hmm. Michael Schubert. Mm -hmm. I don't even have a good intro because I just want to tell you what I'm doing here. Okay. My three on three. Mm -hmm. We're doing the three best acting roles for basketball <gasps> players and the three worst yes. acting roles for basketball players. I feel like I can guess them all. Please. All right. I want to hear, I want to hear what you have to say. Okay. Ray Allen in He Got Game mm -hmm. is very good. Is it Kareem that's in Airplane or is it Will Chamberlain? Uh, it's Kareem. Kareem. Okay. Yeah. So Kareem and Airplane would be my other guess. 
I know the worst has to be Shaq and Kazam, right? Interesting that you said all these things. <laughs> uh, so number three is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in Airplane. Nice. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, so here's how this is going to work. I'm going to try to run through these because there are some things that I definitely want to talk about a lot. Basically, I'm going to give you their role. I'm going to say a fun fact about the film, and I'm going to tell you how they got cast. Wonderful. Because it's all buck wild. Kareem's line in Airplane is, I think, the funniest line in the whole film. Oh, absolutely. So if anyone who doesn't remember Airplane, it was just like farcical comedy all about people being on an airplane. It's super funny if you've never seen it. Kareem is not just a pilot. This is an alternate universe where Kareem Abdul-Jabbar also takes on the guise of a pilot named Roger Murdoch so that he can get away from it all. Kareem does a lot of, this is all like physical comedy and really funny. Kareem's like physical size is really great in this because his head is just like bumping up against the ceiling of For the airplane. For reference, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is about seven feet tall. He's so large. Mm-hmm. There's a part where a kid walks into the cockpit and he keeps bothering Kareem Abdul-Jabbar saying that, oh wait, you're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. My dad says you don't play defense. Mm-hmm. My dad says you don't use any energy. He gets in his face so much that Kareem grabs the kid by the shirt and he says, Tell your old man to drag Walden and Lanier up and down the court for 48 minutes. I've been hearing this my entire career. And just throws the kid away for it. And the kid just doesn't say anything else about it. Fun fact about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar acting and doing creative things. He's on the writing staff of the new Veronica Mars reboot. Oh, I didn't know they were remaking Veronica Mars. Is that really what you're taking out of that sentence? Yeah. That's not the most dramatic thing about that sentence that I just said. I think I knew Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was involved in some other creative projects. I feel like I knew this. This doesn't surprise you that he's going to be a TV writer in 2018. No, because I'm sure he didn't get the job because he's good at writing. I'm sure he got the job because he's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No, he got the choice. Well, like, why would you hire Kareem Abdul-Jabbar if you had the choice? Because he's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay, let's say you have Michael Schubert. Like, oh, man, I have Michael Schubert Mm -hmm. who was on Vine for a considerable amount of time and has really cool hair. And then I have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who has scored one of the most points in NBA history. But I don't know what his writing ability is. You hire both. I... (laughs) Let's say, oh, no, sorry. I'm getting a call from a studio that says I can only hire one. You hire Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No, I would hire Michael Zubair. Nah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, regardless, he's multi-talented. He is a writer slash actor. Slash player. Slash player. He's a triple threat. Oh, wow. That's what it means. Triple threat. You want to know how he got the part? He's Kareem (laughs) Abdul-Jabbar. No. Well, kind of, but in a different way. He got the part because they originally wanted Pete Rose, the baseball player. Oh, that would have aged way worse. That would have been super bad. They wanted Pete Rose to play the part. It's infinitely funnier because Kareem is so tall. Yes. And apparently (laughs) it was the summer and he was playing baseball. That's the only reason why he didn't get the part. He was a professional baseball player. I assume he was very I know busy. But, like, but it's like, what? Do, I don't understand what the people who were putting this movie together thought. Like, oh, man, he'll just, like, come out and tape. It's fine. You know what they say in the biz, tape. Um, yeah, and they just, like, ask Kareem. And he's like, yeah, I'm not doing anything in the summer. Boom. There. Right place, right time. Boom goes the dynamite. And Kareem goes the dynamite. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. All right, number two. This is the one that you missed. I'm sorry. This is LeBron James in Trainwreck. I haven't seen Trainwreck. Oh, Mike. The movie itself is not great. That's why I haven't seen Trainwreck. You know what is great? <laughs> LeBron in LeBron it. James. I need to do the thing that I've done for other movies where you just now on YouTube, it'll just have every minute that LeBron is in the movie exactly. on Trainwreck. I did that with the Lego Ninjago movie because Fred Armisen was in it. So it just had all of Fred Armisen's lines. And I was like, hell yeah. And it was like 12 minutes long. I was like, great. I don't have to waste an hour and a half now. I will say that the Ninjago movie hilarious that you spent any time watching the Ninjago movie. I love Fred Armisen. He is hilarious and an incredible improviser, and I aspire to be like him. But he's, like, dead behind the eyes. But he's so funny. But, like, he definitely has a body in his freezer. 
Yeah. But you're like, yeah, chill. Yes, and. Mm-hmm. That's what you got to do. <laughs> okay. I'm going to send you some articles after this. Cool. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. LeBron, you should you should just watch it for LeBron James. Yeah. LeBron is funny because Trainwreck is no different as a romantic comedy. It's very straightforward. Basically, Amy Schumer falls in love with Bill Hader, who plays a sports doctor, who's like a, a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. So, And that's why he's best friends with LeBron, because they've worked together a really long time. So LeBron James plays... The best friend role, which is usually played by like Judy Greer, for example. Or now the guy from Get Out. He's in everything. Yeah. Lil Ray is like now in a bunch of stuff and he's always the same thing. It's like, oh, look at my quirky, funny, a little overweight black friend. Ha ha, Lil Ray. It's exactly like that. But he does have his own show now. So good for Lil Ray. He's upgraded. Think about that. That role goes to LeBron. LeBron James. One of the most famous people on earth. I love it. I just don't want to sit through the whole movie. (laughs) I'll send you the, I will cut it together. I will find the YouTube super clip of just the LeBron scenes. If you can't do it, I will go into iMovie for you. (gasps) My friend, Michael Schubert, Mm -hmm. as another Christmas gift, I will cut this together and just give you the LeBron scenes. There's one point where Bill Hader and LeBron are just like talking about love in a restaurant. And the Bill Hader is like, oh, I got to go. And the check comes and LeBron's like, all right, like how much are you going to Venmo me? That's and great. LeBron's just like very stingy, and Bill Hader's just like, you're LeBron James. And LeBron James is like, is yeah. He, oh, he plays LeBron he James. He plays LeBron James. That's great. And he's like, all right, well, let's like split the check and like make sure you send me everything that you need. It's very good. That's awesome. There's another part where LeBron James is sitting with Amy Schumer, like after Amy Schumer and Bill Hader have started dating, and they're at like a charity event that he's putting on. Mm-hmm. So there's a dunk contest happening at the same time. Oh, he's not in it, but no. he's sitting on the side. But it's also funny because it's just like intercut with like people dunking like doing crazy windmills and lebron james gets like in amy schumer's face and is like so what are your intentions with bill Hader?" that's great i'm also very upset at lebron for never entering the nba dunk contest because he was afraid he wouldn't win and that would look bad on his legacy i mean it makes sense but uh just do it it's a silly silly competition just do it we were robbed he could have done some amazing stuff if he put his mind and athleticism That's to true. it. I wish that the dunk contest was more mandatory like it used to be when Dominique Wilkins was dunking. Well, because people used to care about it. Now people are, oh, I don't want to get hurt. Or like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I'm glad the dunk contest is making its way back with the whole Aaron Gordon versus Zach Levine thing really igniting a new flame in the dunk contest. But <sighs> I would love Anthony Davis dunking the ball. The problem is big dudes just never look as impressive in the dunk contest because they're already starting seven feet above the ground. Right. Which is why Nate Robinson has two dunk contest championships. What if Steph Curry participated and he was wearing moon shoes? He probably would not be able to dunk. But <laughs> he's wearing moon shoes. That would be a fun challenge is someone dunking and being like, look at these awful garbage shoes I'm wearing. And I still dunked it. No, do you not know what moon shoes are? Yes, I know what they are. They don't actually help you jump higher. <laughs> Okay, what if someone rigged up, like, trampolines to Steph Curry's shoes? Would you want him to participate? Are you saying, would I like to watch Slam Ball from Spike TV in yes! 2003? Oh, my God. We, we're going to do what that actually happened about Slam Ball. I'm Dibs. Dibs on Slam Ball. <laughs> we're going to put you links to Slam Ball so that everyone is ready for when we talk about Slam Ball. Slam Ball's incredible. Slam Ball's very good. Okay, you want to know how LeBron uh, got cast? He's LeBron James. Yes, but do you want to know who knows about LeBron James? Is it someone I would think or someone I'd be surprised by? Someone you'd be surprised about. Um, is Turtle from Entourage in the movie? Turtle from Entourage is not Okay, I know movie. he's an obsessive NBA fan, so that was my guess is no. that he was cast as something. And he was like, oh, hey, yo, get LeBron. <laughs> I don't think Turtle has acted since Entourage. It's almost like he wasn't good. 
It's almost like Entourage is not a good thing to have on your CV. That also not aged well at all. We're going to do what that actually happened about Chips, Entourage. am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Vinny Chase, definitely a good actor. Fucking love that guy. The weirdest thing about Entourage was that Adrian Grenier never looked like a movie star. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever he was in those movies, he was like, you should not be an Aquaman. Oh, it's the guy from Devil Wears Prada. Exactly. He sucks. <laughs> he sucks. Oh, my God. We're taking such... This is the problem. <laughs> we're becoming a movie podcast, and we're taking ridiculous left turns like every movie podcast. Oh, uh, no. Oh, beans. Okay. You want to know why LeBron got cast? Why? Amy Schumer does not know any other NBA players. So Amy Schumer said to ESPN that she didn't know anything about basketball. So she just wrote in LeBron James because it was only the player that she could name. But then Judd Apatow and Bill Hader pitched the movie and he just accepted. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Got That's nothing better to so do. good. Let's start making calendar invites for these recording sessions and then just sending it to Super. Oh, yes. Let's just <laughs> tag Sue Bird's Twitter handle every time. Like, see you at the recording tonight, Sue, and then see if she shows up. <laughs> Be like, hey, is this Amanda's apartment? They're like, oh, yes. Wow. Welcome, Sue. Oh, you got you got the invite. Great. Oh, did you fly all the way in here? Boy, are your arms tired. <laughs> that was a joke I was going to make, and I appreciate Ha-ha. you. I appreciate that we're co-hosts on this basketball podcast. <laughs> Cuckoo! Do you also know Birdman? Call! <laughs> you were right. Number one is Ray Allen in oh, yeah. He Got Game. Mm-hmm. This is actually like a dramatic role. Ray Allen plays a very talented basketball player named Jesus Shuttlesworth, who is going to go to college soon, and he doesn't know which one he's going to pick. And then his dad gets out of prison, who is played by Denzel Washington. And they have a bunch of emotional scenes back and forth. It's a lot of tied into the, their relationship as father and son. And it culminates in this very important basketball game. Shout out to Spike Lee, Nick's superfan, for coming up with an amazing basketball name, Jesus Shuttlesworth. And when Ray Allen was still in the league, they did a fun night when he was on the Heat where they put players' nicknames on the back of the jerseys. Mm. And most people, as we referenced before, just had very boring letter nicknames jj whatever for their nicknames uh but he put jay shuttlesworth on the back of his jersey that's very, which is good. very good i love that okay so in the script uh, there's this really emotional scene where denzel washington and ray allen play basketball against each other one of those scenes of dads and sons together right mm-hmm. so in the script it said that jesus shuttlesworth was supposed to win 11 and 0 just kick his dad's ass. Just ruin him. Ray Allen admitted that when they started playing, Denzel started shooting the ball and the ball was going in. So in the actual movie, Denzel goes up by like three to zero. And then Ray Allen needs to turn it up and actually play basketball while he's acting to win the game. Denzel Washington has talked about this at length on the Bill Simmons podcast where he mm-hmm. explained what happened. And I'm pretty sure he lied about what his dominant hand was to Ray Allen <laughs> so that he didn't know. And he definitely tried to make it known to Ray Allen that he wasn't preparing, but secretly he was shooting a lot and preparing a lot. So they did this on purpose so that Ray Allen would get genuinely upset. And it's fun if you watch the movie, you can see the difference between the first three points Ray Allen and then Ray Allen, who was incredible at basketball at the time they filmed this, just being like, okay, Denzel Washington. <laughs> Let me murder you via basketball. And then Denzel's like, ha ha, my man. Great scene. Love it. I did not hear about that from Denzel because I was looking at Ray Allen's biography that just came out. What's the name of his biography? It's called I'm Ray. 
<sighs> no, I'm just kidding. It's uh, called From the Outside, oh, that's My better. Journey Through Life and the Game I Love. Good. I was making sure it wasn't just Ray, a la Wilt, which is still <laughs> the still worst so name ever. It's so bad. Ray Allen actually held his own in this movie. He acted really, really well. This scene has a lot of emotional weight. I mean, this is Jesus is playing against the man who killed his mother, which is why he's in prison. And Denzel gets out of jail to get him to sign a letter of intent to the college that the governor went to, which is a crazy plot. Thank you, Spike Lee. But yeah. like convoluted, but also like very, very real. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Ray Allen was nominated for Best Breakthrough Performance at the 1999 MTV Movie Awards? I knew you were going to say MTV Movie Awards <laughs> once you said nominated. <laughs> no other award show would even consider him because he wasn't an amazing actor in terms of acting. But it's definitely the best performance by an athlete. Do you want to know who else was up for this role? Oh, I actually do know this because they talked about it in the podcast and it's someone that would have been really bad. Was it our good friend who was also an actor Kevin now? Garnett? Kevin Garnett was up, up for it, but mm. was it someone who was also an actor now in China maybe? Stefan Marbury. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So Stefan yeah, yeah. Marbury never actually auditioned, but he has a grudge against this movie because he thought that Spike Lee was ripping off his own life. So he never auditioned, but he's like, man, this is my life. I thought you should just approach me about the movie. Did his dad go to jail for murdering his mom? I mean, not, but like, this, not exactly. Okay. But like, he thought it was really similar. Like, the family structure was similar. Stefan Marbury played in New York City. The movie was set in New York City as yeah. well. So Kobe was on the list. Uh, they were like, hey, Kobe's in L.A. You want to see what he's doing? But he had committed his summer to basketball because he had lost in game five of the second round playoff series. And he really needed to play well. Given how bad Kobe was at rapping, I don't trust his acting chops. But Ooh. he is funny in those Mamba Mentality commercials. <laughs> Kevin Garnett was up for the part. Apparently, uh, Kevin Garnett's agent at the time, who was the agent for Kevin Garnett and Stefan Marbury because they were both on the Timberwolves together, mm. <laughs> the agent told Spike Lee, unless you guarantee a good part, they're not coming in. Spike Lee told USA Today, I said, look, come on, I'm not a GM. This isn't the NBA. This is the movies. There are no guaranteed contracts in cinema. And then the agent hung up the phone. And then Kevin Garnett said that Spike Lee's wife tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios. And, and he definitely didn't get the role. <laughs> and anything is possible, <laughs> even me acting. Ray Allen auditioned a bunch of times. He acted with Rosario Dawson, who's also in the movie, and mm -hmm. they had great chemistry. And since the Bucks didn't advance to the playoffs, he went to New York and <laughs> recorded the movie. And was that in the movie. The, that is the ultimate... Hey, I would love to do it, but I got this other thing. If it falls through, I'm there. <laughs> when your team doesn't make it to the playoffs. Hey, good news. My team fucking lost, so I can be in the movie. I'll be there in 10. <laughs> Deuces. I'm out of here. I'm outie. There you go. So that those are, <laughs> those are the three best. Okay. All right. Are you ready for the three worst? Yeah. Now, Mike, I have a confession to make. While I was doing research, uh, there seemed to be something similar about all Are of the Are they parts. all Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> These are the three worst Shaquille O'Neal acting Yay! parts. <laughs> it's just like when I did all Kevin Garnett insults. It's, it felt very similar. All right. Number three worst acting role for Shaq are all of the commercials that Shaq's in. He's very bad at them, even to this day when he's been a media member full time for the past five plus years. Mm-hmm. Shaq is in commercials for so many things. Mm -hmm. He did it for Icy Hot, for Gold Bond, for The General. No, the, the General ones are the worst. One. And he also does, did this for Carnival Cruises. I guess he realized that he had a brand by being a very large man with a very deep voice. Mm. My back hurts sometimes. Does your back hurt? Icy Hot. Uh, I also looked into, do you know the gif 
where Shaquille O'Neal is doing a shimmy shake and then, and then the, the cat, cat is doing a shimmy shake. Yes. So I looked into that video where that came from. That came from a Gold Bond commercial. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that oh, yeah. because it's pretty just as Shaq's just like, whenever I need Gold Bond, I just do a squeeze of it. And then he squeezes it under his shirt and then he does the shimmy shake. Yes, he does. And it's hilarious. And I love it. And then I bought Ozzy Hut on my back. <laughs> and now I can dunk in this. Watch me dunk. And then he dunks. The most recognizable movie that Shaq was ever in. Kazam is coming in at number two. Whoa, I don't even know what else he was in that could be worse than Kazam, but let's go. I promise that there was one. So basically Shaquille O'Neal plays a genie. Mm-hmm. That's literally all you need to know. And he raps, mm-hmm. I guess. You want to know why Kazam was made? <sighs> money. No, not even oh, money. Oh, no. The director, Paul Michael Glazer, was approached about the movie because Glazer's son had a dream that Shaq was a genie and he Uh, wanted to make a movie about it. I did hear this, and that is not justification to make a garbage movie. Doesn't this sound like an idea that a five-year-old just came up with? Yes, and then you know what this old man who is in charge of a production company should have said? What? That's cute, son. Cool. Cool. Wow. Wow. wow, that's funny. Mike, can we uh, role play how this goes? Let's say you are Paul Michael Glazer and mm-hmm. I am your five-year-old son. Okay. And let's, let's see how this goes. All right. Hello, son. I'm just buttoning up my Paul Michael Blazer before I go to work. <laughs> that's good because it rides with Glazer. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, Dad, I want to be like you when you grow up. A very successful and only makes good movie director. Oh, sorry, I'm just finishing this Paul Michael Glaze donut. It's a real Paul Michael Glazer. <laughs> Dad, I'm not sure why you swallowed that whole thing in a row. I was hungry, but I'm very proud of you, okay, son. Okay, well, I can swallow. I'll, I'll do try that next time I eat a donut. What were uh, you saying about a what? movie idea or something? <laughs> no, I wasn't, but the, you know that reminds me. I had a dream last night where, you know Shaquille O'Neal, the basketball player? Mm-hmm, I'm well aware. I had an idea... <laughs> I am alive and it is 1994. Uh, I had a dream that he was a genie and it was really cool. Wow, that is shocking. Almost like I was hit with a Paul Michael taser. I've gotten a great idea. I'm going to make a film about exactly this. I don't need writers. You've done it for me. Thanks, son. Oh, no problem, Dad. Make sure that I get full credit. I get 10 points on the movie. Mm Mm-hmm, definitely. And make sure you eat all of your meals and not just snack throughout the day. I don't want you to be a Paul Michael grazer. See, I thought you were going to tell me not to view the movie, but even in the role play, you told me to do the movie, which yeah. shows that this is such a good idea. I mean, I was role playing as Paul Michael Blazer, idiot person that thought this was a good idea. <laughs> I thought you were going to in- inject some what, what if, I, and then everything would have been different. Oh, no, I was trying to role play how it actually went down. I imagine Paul Michael Blazer, someone that would go along with this garbage, garbage movie, would be that much of a fan of puns. Well, you can tell he doesn't have a lot of good ideas because his first idea for Kazam, it was going to be a rap musical, which is the only way that this movie could have been worse. Or it could have been Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton? Kazam? Hamilton? Kazam? Lin-Manuel Miranda remakes Kazam, and it's not bad. Ooh. I he's listen. the only one that could do it. It's a lot of heat. I wonder if Lin-Manuel Miranda can bring that up so much heat. Nah, he's not busy. He can do it. He, he he's not doing anything. He's not doing literally everything. All right, so I know that friend of the show, Lin-Manuel Miranda, is listening. Mm-hmm. Lin, get back to us. I think you'd be great at this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, shave your goatee. It's gross. You want to know what the taglines are for the movie? Kazam. Yup, that is Shaquille O'Neal. There it is. So the first one was, the world's most powerful genie has just met his match. 
Ugh, the kid with the magical boombox. I don't know how the kid is his match if he's that powerful of a genie. Well, if you watch the movie, they both rap equally bad, so that is their match. There you go. Uh, the other one was, he's a rapping genie with attitude, and he's ready for slam dunk fun. Oh, that's that's bad. I feel... That's alphabet soup of all the words <laughs> of the movie. Just be like, what's happening? Shaquille plays basketball, and it's about rapping genie. And I've made a sentence. Has anyone ever said, oh, man... That was such a good time. Yeah, I had some slam dunk fun. Me. That sounds like something we would say on this podcast. <laughs> wow. This episode sure has been some slam dunk fun. You're such a slam dunk friend. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike recovers from that great compliment I paid him. Are you ready for the worst acting job that Shaquille O'Neal has ever done? Yeah. This movie is called Steel, starring Shaquille O'Neal. Is it about him being Superman? This was actually one of the first movies, if not the first movie, with a black superhero. Oh, wow. What this is supposed to be was a live adaptation of the comic book Steel. Shaquille O'Neal's character was called John Henry Irons, and mm-hmm. he was a oh, side because story. Steel. Because he's Steel, yeah. You, you get it, Mike. Mm-hmm. Mike, you understand what's going on. Because John Henry, from the famous myth, and his last name is also Irons. Mike. Like, do you get it? Yes. All right. (laughs) So this was a side story from Superman that no one actually really cared about. Basically, he was a giant man with a giant metallic suit who created futuristic weapons that were supposed to not get in the wrong hands of, like, gang members and stuff. And there was a woman in a wheelchair and Shaq made a bunch of steel puns and he was going to, like, clean up the streets with his non-lethal weapons. I know when you say metal suit, you mean Iron Man suit, but I'm imagining a three-piece suit made of metal. It's actually- Like a metal vest and blazer and suit pants. I wish it was that, and it was a lot more like an Iron Man suit, but he was just like totally covered in black metal. So I want you to imagine, though, that this is a seven-foot man who's wearing all black metal, and all of this was filmed at night. (laughs) So you could not see Shaq for the entire movie. It doesn't sound great. This was a terrible adaptation. The plot was all over the place. All the dialogue was terrible. There were like weird special effects at all times. Judd Nelson was in it and he was washed. Whoa. And Shaq just could not act. I don't know if you knew this, but Shaq, not a great actor. No, 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 no. The taglines were heroes don't come any bigger. Because he's, Mike, do you get it here that Shaquille O'Neal's a large man? Yeah, but the Hulk is objectively larger. Just straight up. That's a great point. They do come bigger. It's called the Hulk. That's a great point. Um, And the other tagline was, man, metal, hero. That's awful. That's really bad. (laughs) What is this movie about? It's a hero, but he's a man made of metal. Wow. Brilliant work, Jeremy. Bangarang. The director here was Kenneth Johnson. Uh, Kenneth Johnson admitted that he wanted Wesley Snipes to play Steel, who was in Blade, another formative (laughs) black superhero movie. Blade, Steel, Knife. It's all the same. (laughs) Dagger, Sword. But- Warner Brothers wanted Shaquille O'Neal because Shaquille O'Neal would sell toys and merchandise of steel. I bet now those steel action figures are worth tens of thousands of dollars. I want one so bad. I bet they're worth so much money. I want a Funko Pop to come out, which is Shaq as steel. Except maybe not a Funko Pop. What's wrong with Funko Pop? Their whole business model is, look, all these things look the same. But they're all of my favorite characters, and I can yeah, put them on my desk. I'm a, the thing that bugs me most about Funko Pop 
is their basketball line. None of the dudes looked like their actual NBA players. Oh, they had a basketball line? Yeah, and no one looked correct. I still Zero want people. it, though. I still want it. No though. one looks right, though. They had a Chris Ops Przingis one. I was like, you don't look any... He had brown hair. It wasn't great. It was bad. Does Chris Ops not have brown he hair? He has, like, very light brown hair. <laughs> but they gave him just, like, my brown hair, which is not the same. When I look at the poster of Chris Ops that I have in my room mm-hmm. and that I always say goodnight to every night, no, it I mean, does it not just, look like him. I don't know. It's easier to do when it's over a fictional character that looks very silly. Or if you're doing it over, like, I have a McGonagall Funko Pop, which is very good. But if you're doing it over a real, just normal person, it doesn't look great because the whole point of Funko Pop is that all of the faces are exactly the same. So your biggest problem is that Funko Pop isn't nonfiction enough? Uh, My biggest problem is that they were (laughs) like, look, let's make NBA ones. Should we make them good? No. (laughs) (laughs) I want them to be as bad as possible. Let's not put in any effort. Uh, If anyone is making an Antoine Walker... Funko Pop, please let me know. If anyone's making a Shaquille O'Neal steal Funko Pop, please let me know. We're going to have to have a movie night at some point. We're going to have to watch this. Yeah, that'd be good. That could be a fun bonus thing on Patreon. Do a director's commentary. It's good. While we watch it. We'll do a double feature with Space Jam and Steel. Good. But yin, I won't the tell true you. yin and the yang. And then I will put as a as a amuse-bouche in between, I will put in just LeBron scenes from Trainwreck. Wonderful. It's I love gonna it. going to be lovely. That sounds great. And Mike, that was my three-on-three on... Three on, Good acting and Shaquille O'Neal acting. Wow. There you go. That's amazing. I hope you liked it. I did. Was it everything you hoped for and more? I'm upset that Shaq was in two movies. That's That's true. Too, too many. Listen, uh, Michael, if you feel like you need your feelings like protected or insured, I can send you the general. They do car insurance. And also feelings insurance. And I can really (laughs) set you up with that. Hey. Eric. You're doing a great job. Thank you. So are you. I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. And also... This was really fun for me to prepare. Okay. <laughs> Eric. Yes. If I said the phrase to you, désolé, je ne parle pas français, does that mean anything to you? Doesn't. I, sp- I took Spanish in high school mm-hmm. and I do not parlez-vous français. So, okay. So what I just told you is, sorry, I don't speak French. Oh, okay. <laughs> which was the number one sentence that I said when I lived in France. And Eric, did you know that when I lived in Paris, France, for six months, I played basketball a lot, and I got yelled at a lot in French. <laughs> so I've told you about me living in France. I've told you about playing basketball in France and stuff like that. I don't think I've ever told you these specific stories of my basketball career in France. I don't think so, no. So I'm just going to spit game about all of the French basketball situations <laughs> I got myself into for this that actually happened. This actually Listen, it's less believable for me to believe this actually happened because there's a lot smaller scale. Mm-hmm. It's like I need to be in France in a very specific year to believe this actually happened. Only for six months. <laughs> so for backstory, I lived in France for six months because I used to be a mechanical engineer and my company switched from Microsoft to Google Suite for everything. And they needed to teach people at the company how to use it because when you work at a mechanical engineering company... It's a lot of old curmudgeon people that only know how to use Outlook and Excel and don't know how to use Google. Wait, are you serious? This is the reason why you got sent around? So I got sent there because they had an open position. They wanted someone who was good at making videos because that was going to be a major component. Now, being someone that made YouTube videos all throughout high school and college, I was very solid at making videos, and I worked at a mechanical engineering company, not the most creative people, so my application process was a smooth sailing. And remember that time I said I got the email uh, sent to the wrong Michael Schubert about getting this promotion? Yeah. This was the promotion. Oh my I God. almost didn't get the email, hey, by the way, you're going to France. Mike, <laughs> here's how our lives are different. When you engage with 
inability on corporate levels. You say, I made Vine. Send me to France and they send you to France. When I deal with corporate inability, they say, hey, stop yelling at people about how we're not doing our jobs. And I say, what of it? And then I get fired. Our lives are very different. This was just ultimate right place at the right time situation that they needed someone who was good at a skill that my job did not actively hire for. And I just happened to be good at it. So they sent me to Paris for six months to do this. The The work stuff was fine. I was more invested in living in Paris for six months. I would say so. I, yeah, I, how, how long did it take you to just get done with Google Suite? Oh, well, I mean, I worked on it the whole time, but I made these really funny pun littered videos where I would just teach people like, hey, here's how you used to do this in Excel. Here's how you do it in Google Sheets or like, hey, here's how you do this thing. They were very fun videos to make, but living in Paris was more fun. <laughs> Did your puns translate to the French people? So my company was an international company, so people were all over. So the official language of the company was English. Okay. So at the office, which was the international headquarters, you had people from more than just France. Like my boss was from New Zealand. There were Italian people in the office, so everyone spoke English. So I never learned French when I was there for six months because everyone just spoke English. So I learned English in a French accent because <laughs> that's what most people spoke. <laughs> And I only learned key French phrases that mattered so I could, you know, order from the mom and pop butcher or go to the cheese shop or learn how to use the metro system. This is the wildest thing I've heard on this entire podcast <laughs> that I have researched, learned from or like experienced like, oh, well, Chamberlain, his like whole who, the 100 game couldn't have even happened. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, Shaquille O'Neal. He was so bad at acting. Whoa. Just wait until I actually get into the story. I'm part. still enjoying this. This is great. So my apartment, I live with the two other people from my company that they sent to Paris for other temporary roles for six months. My room was so small that if I stretched my arms out horizontally, mm -hmm. I could touch both walls. My room was a closet converted into a bedroom, and I'm not exaggerating. That's hilarious. I'm realizing why I love this so much. This sounds like the beginning of a romantic comedy. Oh, yeah. Like, I know you end up with Kelly at the end. Spoiler alert. Right? Oh, uh, beans. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I spoiled it. <laughs> but, like, if you had, like, ended up with a French woman who was, like, had a bookstore that was getting shut down by a corporation <laughs> that didn't know Google Drive, this would be that rom-com. <laughs> it would be called, like, Parlez-vous for three or like slam dunk in my heart. I like that basketball is still a major component of this film. Oh, it's definitely a major component of this. This is Horse Studios, Equest Equestrian Studios, there it is. where there we it come is. up with all of the movies that we want to come up with. This is bananas, Mike. I mean, you haven't even told me anything about basketball. I yet. haven't. Oh, my God. So, of course, the first thing that I did anytime I moved to a new city, because I moved around a lot for work when I was a mechanical engineer, I Googled the basketball situation. I looked up leagues. I looked up courts near me, all that. Thankfully, I lived about a 10 to 15 minute walk from an outdoor court. And then I found a league that I then joined. So the first time I played basketball was at this outdoor court where I played pickup. I needed to buy a basketball because I didn't bring one with me when I moved there because I just moved all of my stuff in suitcases. Uh, why not? Because <laughs> I, knew, I knew I would just buy one there. So I went to a store that sold basketball shoes and equipment, and they had outdoor basketballs for every major team in the NBA. So one of the first purchases I bought in France was a New York Knicks outdoor basketball that I would then dribble with me through the streets of France on the way to this court. The sub you're walking and the subtitle was like, oh, Papa, there's the Knicks boy. <laughs> I love this movie. Slam dunk to my heart is going to be a great. It's going to be so good. I'm going to have to learn to dunk. 
At the end, you dunk for uh, Madeline's uh, heart. Amelie? Uh, for Amelie's heart, yeah. So the first time I played basketball there, uh, obviously everyone is speaking French. Most people in Paris know English pretty well. Still, when you're playing basketball, everyone is speaking in French. It's their native language. It makes sense. I was really struggling to play defense a bunch because I kept running into screens and I realized I did not know the French word for screen or pick or left or right. <laughs> so I had to turn to someone who I knew spoke English. And I was like, tell me the word for left and tell me the word for right. So I played pickup for a while, but then I wanted to try to find some sort of league where I could play indoor or something like that. So I found online a league that basically did organized pickup, which is my favorite thing to do because then you don't have to commit to like a full league and be on a regular schedule, etc. So I found a league where they would just play in different gyms throughout Paris. And it was $50 for a year to play in this league. And they give you a free pair of basketball shorts, which I still have. You know, I didn't know what the word was going to be after you said basketball. I was like, basketball shoes? That's crazy. <laughs> shorts makes a lot more sense. It was really funny because $50 for a year is already an amazing deal because you could just play as many weekends as you wanted. They played on Sundays. But the other thing is they gave you shorts at a way back. So really, it was like only a... $30 investment. I like to imagine there was a basketball short shortage. <laughs> it's like this league needed to instruct these French men where to buy athletic shorts. <laughs> what I very quickly learned is that my style of basketball, which is very intense and in your face, is not how French people play. <laughs> they are much more relaxed and chill, as Parisians are. That would make sense, yeah. I was once told by the guy who ran the league to calm down and not play so hard on defense. He told me that you are too intense. <laughs> so I had to tone it down a little bit. Good. The French man coming in. This I were really fleshing out slam dunk in your heart. So at this point when I was playing, I had already known the French words for left and right. I then asked people in this league, what is good shot and nice? So I could, you know, <laughs> so I could uh, cheer on my teammates. Okay. In addition to me being very intense, they would call a lot of fouls against me. There okay. was a lot of flopping, which shouldn't happen in pickup basketball. <laughs> you shouldn't be trying to get a foul. If you get fouled and you call foul, sure. If you are doing something in order to get fouled, that inherently goes against how pickup basketball should right. work. Yes. So what I would do instead of actually saying mean things to these people, because I learned the French curse words really quickly, <laughs> by playing, I would say things like, hey, what's the French word for bitch? Out loud <laughs> so that people would understand I disagreed with their calls. It was an interesting tactic. It was a joke for all of the people that were bilingual. <laughs> <laughs> a very specific joke. Mm -hmm. Okay. I also thought it was very funny. <laughs> it's good. You know, we're going to have to have some people come in and punch up this script, but pretty good. Pretty good so far. <laughs> So before I get into the funniest story, I will get into the craziest story that happened with me playing basketball, which was I was not playing in the league, but I was playing in that outdoor pickup court. And this was the Sunday after those Paris terrorist attacks happened. Okay. Thankfully, I was out of town for those attacks. But when I was playing basketball the next weekend, I played until it got dark and then I was walking home. And when I turned right onto the street where my apartment was, I just saw 30 people sprinting full speed. Okay. Just sprinting down the street. And instantly I was like, oh, crap, there's more of them. And people were running and people were making a hand motion where they were like pointing and making finger guns and then pointing behind them as if to signify there's a dude with a gun that we're all running from. Okay. So not a great situation. No. No. So I was just sprinting with everyone full speed, ran into my apartment, got all the way up, turned on the news, figure out what happened. A light bulb popped in a restaurant oh, and people God. outside thought it was a gunshot and panicked. Oh, 
That's it was the scariest situation that I thankfully it's the scariest situation I've ever been in. That's wild. But it was absolutely wild. This would be the part where you and Amelie mm-hmm. both run up to your apartment together mm-hmm. and then you find out the thing and then you have a very romantic date where you are wearing <laughs> you're wearing dot, your dot, Chris, dot, where you're wearing your Christoph Porzingis jersey and she's mm-hmm. and she says, uh, who is this? And then you tell her all about Christoph's and that's how you two fall in love. Wonderful. I'm I love, love it. it. So, really shaping up. <laughs> so that's the most bonkers and less fun story. Let me tell you the very funny story. Okay. So the guy who ran the league was the a one knight- who, was the one who's told you not to be so intense. Yes. I love this guy already. He's a Paul Giamatti. Let's get him. I could I don't know, it wouldn't be the worst casting. Uh, nailed it. <laughs> This dude was good, but he also would get very invested in the games and he would flop and stuff and he would get very upset if anyone fouled him, blah, blah, blah. And he was so much bigger than me. He was like 6'5", stocky dude. And that's the thing where he said I was too intense. I was trying to, you know, like push up on him because he's got five inches and 50 plus pounds on me. There's only so much I can do, sir. Do you know what Paul Giamatti looks like? Yes, but like in the <laughs> face, he kind of looks like this dude. Are right, we're going to CGI Paul Giamatti to make him 6'5". Just five. do the Tom Cruise thing where you just put him on a box and shoot it in angles where he looks tall, even <laughs> though he's like 4'11". You're going to be crouching below Paul Giamatti. Yeah, they'll make it work. They can do it. Come on. Movie magic. They'll make it happen. Equestrian Studios will make it happen. So this was one of the first times we were playing, and I was protesting these foul calls often, which I thought were ridiculous. I would mm. be complaining about stuff. And it was after playing for an hour or so, and he was getting upset that I was getting upset at these foul calls. And what's funny in France is that people speak English, but they don't speak it well enough to sugarcoat things. Okay. They say things very direct just because they only know the direct translation of stuff. So you can't put things down easy or say things more nicely. I was in a work meeting once and they were trying to decide who should give a presentation. And rather than say a guy talks too much and the meeting might run long, they instead said, uh, Dimitri never shuts up. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone in the meeting was just like, oh, we, oui, oui, yes, of course. <laughs> like that was a normal thing to say about a human being. <laughs> Man, I'm sorry about Dimitri. Is Dimitri okay? He's fine. He's doing good. He's fine. <laughs> But what if Dimitri was like, well, that's me. Never shut up. I never shut up. <laughs> that's probably what he would have said. He would have been like, oh, Lee, of course. Uh, everyone knows that never shut up. Why, what, why did he become Borat? <laughs> so this is the frame of reference of, of why this guy ends up saying what he does. So what he tried to tell me was saying just like, don't argue or don't talk. He was basically trying to say, in this league, if we call a foul, just take it and don't say anything, which is fine. Sure. But instead, what he told me, he got right in my grill and he just pointed at me with one finger real big and just said, you don't speak. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And that is the story of how I played basketball for about six months in France and got yelled at a lot in French. I love it, Mike. That actually <laughs> happened. That actually happened. I loved all of these and not even because I have a spec script now. We'll make it happen. I'm excited. Hopefully I can uh, get the part. I don't listen. I already got some people lined up with Michael. Oh, Schubert. you already got Shaquille O'Neal. I uh, Chiqui- it. You already got Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal for the leading role. It's true. It's going to be really difficult to shoot Paul Giamatti taller than Shaquille O'Neal. They make it work for Tom Cruise. It'll be fine. It's <laughs> it's second second time using that joke. You really like it. I mean, it, it the dude is very tiny. He is very short. That's true. 
I still can't believe that you were sent to France to teach people Google Drive. I wrote, directed, edited, and produced a 10-part video series giving little tips and tricks about how to use all the Google stuff. So, Mike, Mm -hmm. what I really need and what I think all the equestrians out there need, I think you need to send us the link to the 10-part video. I guess I made them. I have them all on a thumb drive. They're not public. Oh, I would have thought you would have posted them. They weren't public. They were internal videos. I'm Uh, sure I could post them. Can you post them on YouTube and then share the links? Maybe I'll at least just post like the funny parts of them. I would basically start every video with something really funny because the worst type of training video to get at work is one that's just boring the entire way through. So I'd always make the beginning and the end really funny in hopes that people would watch it the whole time. Did you record them so that they looked like 1991 VHS tapes. No, it was very much like if you were watching a, my YouTube videos from high school and college, but instead of telling stories, I was teaching you how to use Google products. <laughs> it worked out very well. Honestly, if I watched the Google Sheets one, I would learn a lot. I need to watch these. I need to watch I, I have them on a thumb drive. We'll have a movie night. Oh, good. <laughs> we'll watch I will TV. show you Steel, and you will show me a 10-part video series on how to learn Google Drive. I'll show you the ropes, bud. Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Mike Schubert and Eric Silver. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. The social media is run by Mike Schubert. The theme song is by Bettina Campomanes. Art by Allison Wakeman. And website by Kelly Beckman. Shout out to our producer-level patrons. Teal, Samuel Miner, Jordan Castleman, Misha Stanton, Brianne Wingate, Berger, and Skylar Jorgensen. You know, Mike, nobody heard about Steel. We know what you should be hearing about. Us on social media and the internet. There it is. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Horse Hoops. And you can find us on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops. Because as we say in every single episode, it's because Horse Horse Hoops was banned. Now that we have Shaquille O'Neal and Paul Giamatti behind us, I think we can really do some damage here. We can make it happen. You can also find us at horsehoops.com, where we have episode descriptions, all the fun stuff we were talking about, and articles. You also can get access to bonus content at patreon.com slash horsehoops, where you can get stickers, which we just mailed out the first batch of, and some other things like bonus audio, bonus text, where we turn three on three into five on five. It's a good time. Patreon.com slash horsehoops. You know who doesn't call Ticky Tack Fowls? Multitude. Multitude. Multitude is an audio collective of people who love audio and want to share audio with you that is spirits join the party potterless way station and horse if you want to find all of the podcasts in the collective or you want help making your own podcast you can go to multitude.productions website or you can go to at multitude shows on twitter and check it out and as we round out every episode we're going to put our hands in the middle and say something on three it's only fitting that on the count of three, we say, don't speak in a French accent. <laughs> Can I make a suggestion? Sure. To really get the grassroots campaign for this movie that I want to come out going? Mm-hmm. Can we say slam dunk to the heart? Sure. We'll say slam dunk to the heart. I like slam dunk to the heart. Okay. Okay. One, One two, two, three. Slam, slam dunk, dunk to, to the heart. heart. Ba-da-ba-ba, Mike is getting up and he's putting on his basketball shorts and he has his crystal Porzingis ball and he's good. This is the beginning of the movie uh-huh. and he's getting I up. like that it's an anime intro. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, definitely, it definitely is. And it's intercut with like you, you're holding a sword and a basketball at one time and you're dunking while holding the sword. Mm-hmm. And But now then it goes back to you making breakfast for yourself and he's looking at all Oh no, things. it's a bad guy. He's French. He's telling Mike not to speak. And what's that in his hand? A gun? No, it's just an exploding light ball. <laughs> and then Mike gathers all of his energy and fires it at the guy. What's French for <laughs> This movie's coming very good. I love it. Coming to theaters September 2020. <laughs> <laughs>